Good morning. If I haven't met you, my name is Bob Wood. I am the uh, executive director of the Oregon Christian Evangelistic Fellowship, or OCEF, Church Planters. And, uh, and for you that are as old as I am, and I used to be the pastor here, but that was me and Noah came over on the ark and he left me here. In fact, Sherry and I were talking on the way over this morning. When I applied for this job many years ago and was first hired, I was 33 years old, turned 34 right after. I am now twice that. I'm 66. And it's amazing, the last 33 went so much faster than the first 33, I must, I must say. But good to be with you this morning, and I'm excited that we're doing, you know, if you don't know the history of Redwood Christian Church, I'm not going to give you a huge commercial except to tell you that Wayne Osborne was our church planter. He was best friends of a guy named Willie White, who was the executive director of the OCEF Church Planters. And OCF has been very active in the life of Redwood since 1977 and before. And I want you to know we're not only planting churches still, um, we are also helping churches get back on their feet that have hit some hard times. And that's been fun as well. And let me give you a one report from one of your past youth ministers, Bob Friend. Um, Bob was here for many years. And he took on the preaching responsibility at a church that had gotten down to around 20 people and uh, in Delight Valley Church of Christ in Cottage Grove. We had partnered, OCF partnered with them, said, okay, how can we get back into the business we're supposed to be in, which isn't just going to church, folks. <laughs> we have a, it's a much bigger purpose. And so we said, let's get back in the, the business we're supposed to be in. And 30 people, I, I remember that number, 30 people showed up on the Sunday they voted for him. We had recommended, but they were autonomous. Our churches are all autonomous. And so they voted on Bob. i got to tell you, that's been 14 years. They just had their 265th baptism in that period of time. First-time conversions. And I am so proud of Bob, and I know you are, and we could go on. Bob Yunker, also from this church uh, in Burns, has done a phenomenal job in now, if you don't know where Burns is at, you're not alone in the state of Oregon. Not sure most of Salem knows where Burns is at either, but hey, this morning I want to talk about not just what's happened. Oh, one more, one more. We, three years ago, we started a new church in Medford. It's called Upward Christian Church. They got their own facility um, when, because of the pandemic and whatnot, some businesses were going out of business. This business should be thriving, by the way, and we're going to talk about that this morning because we have something the whole world needs, including our governor. And so, it's Jesus, by the way, if you were wondering what it is we're offering, but it's, it's Jesus. But I will tell you that our church in Medford, they need to go to two services. They are packed out every Sunday, and they're adding space. I think they will go to two services, but Upward Christian Church has been knocking it out of the park. I'm so proud of them. And we're praying they would continue to do that in Jesus' name. But I'm telling you, Redwood Christian Church, your best days are not behind you. <laughs> the most exciting days of this church still lie ahead. 
And I'm excited to see what God's going to do. Because it's God that's going to do it. Not going to be some 33-year-old punk preacher with an awesome wife that kept him in <laughs> that kept him hired all those years. Yeah, <laughs> that would be me. Yeah, that was. Hey, may not be the sharpest tack in the box, but I married well. So, anyway, this morning. Thank, thank, thank you for that vote of confidence. I want to. I want to. Uh, talk about several things this morning, but we, I have one main scripture, but I'm going to hit you with a couple others. Now, I'm hoping that you will jot some notes down, if you, write it on your hand. You don't have to write down anything I say, but if you would write down the scriptures that I'm going to use and then go home and write your own sermon, it'll be better anyway. So you might as well do that and, and get something out of this. We live in a world and I can narrow it down to Oregon. We're all over the state. We do, what, 75,000 miles a year in state, going from church to church, trying to help whoever we can. But even in Josephine County, and we're now in Douglas County, this will apply in wherever we live. People are fearful. We're handed stuff all the time that just scares the tar out of us. Well, Christian... There is something bigger than the boogeyman, <laughs> to quote Veggie Tales. <laughs> veggie Tales. I'm quoting Veggie Tales now. There's, our God is bigger than the boogeyman, and yes, the world is afraid, and you don't have to be. The truth is, nobody's getting out of this life alive, <laughs> in this body, praise God. But we can be excited for what is to come, and we can help our friends, neighbors, families, and coworkers get excited about something they know nothing about by simply meeting and knowing Jesus. That takes the edge off. It takes the fear off. When I hear Christians getting uptight with each other and angry and frustrated and scared of, okay, time out. We're, okay, I was born in Oregon. I know there's only five of us left, but native Oregonians, three other than four? Okay. All right, there's more. <laughs> Bottom line is this. I am not from, I will not be from Oregon. I am an alien here. Have you, remember the old song, my home is somewhere else? I can't even remember the words. This world is not my home. I'm just, thank you. See, I married well. What can I tell you? The old song, this world is not my home. Well, I am an alien. I am a citizen of heaven. I am here, and you are here for a short time. You are here to do something while you're here. So this message, I'm going to, I don't know what to title it, Comfort from Crisis would be one way. How do you get comfort even in a crisis, or how do you have purpose going through hard times? And there's no doubt we have been and are still in hard times, and I'm not just talking pandemics. The world is in affliction. A lot of us have had hurts and afflictions, and it may be from the pandemic. It may be sickness, oppression. It may be from divorce, separation, death. I mean, there's so many things going on in the world today that could rattle our cage if we would let it. But I have learned in these 
few years that I've been here, that things always work out. They just seldom work out the way I think they should. But they always work out. In the grander scheme of things, everything is going to work out. Heaven's already promised. I'm anxious for some of you to get a new body. <laughs> I usually try to make a joke there about my nose that I have ordered a model with a smaller olfactory system. But I'll take what I get because it's going to be awesome to be there rather than here. But while we're here, what could possibly be the purpose of going through crisis? What could possibly be the purpose of the last 18 months in Oregon? For some, it was to move to Montana. That was, uh, don't move. You have been put here for a reason. Let's use it for the right reason. What is that purpose? What good could come out of this? Well, I'm telling you, some have lost. I mentioned a few losses. Some of the losses may be more simple, although more painful. The loss of a friendship, perhaps. I don't know what you've gone through. But I'm confident if you're a human being, you've gone through some losses. If you've never experienced a crisis yet, maybe you're four years old. <laughs> you haven't, haven't all of us experienced hurts? And I, I, I remember when the kids were young, and grandkids are now that age, if a four-year-old falls down and bangs up their knee, and it's the worst crisis that they've ever experienced, then know this for a fact. It's the worst crises they've ever experienced till next week. We only have our personal things to go through, but God has a broader vantage point, a better view. And so let me, let me take you to a scripture. One of the scriptures, this is, I'm not preaching on this one, I just want to use it because it's the most, one of the most misquoted scriptures in the Bible. It's Romans 8, 28. I'm going to read it as it's written not misquote it. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Have you heard that misquoted? We all know that everything's good. <laughs> I got news, folks. Everything's not good. Well, God's going to make it all work out to be good. That's not what it says. God will cause all these things to work together for good to those who love God. Who are they? He says it, to those who are called according to his purpose. It's not a leap here to say God's going to cause things to work out for his good, for his purpose. And if you're on board, get ready for the ride of your life because this is going to be fun. Even through crises. Everything is not good, but something good's going to happen for God's sake and because of God. So what does God want for those who are called according to his purpose? Okay, this is where I'm going to get really simple, because that's all I got, folks. <laughs> what is God's purpose? Why did he send Jesus? For you that went to vacation Bible school or Sunday school class, or had a grandma who loved Jesus, 
we learn John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have eternal life. You need it simpler than that? Okay, Jesus said on what his purpose was, Luke 19.10, let's make it even, I have to get it where I can get a hold of this. Jesus said, the son of man, that's him, the son of man has come to what? Do you remember? Seek and to save that which is lost. What does it mean to be called according to God's purpose so that things can work out? We get so complex. I'm working with a lot of different churches, a lot of different people, and a lot of people that don't go to any church and don't want to. And they make life so hard. And they seek purpose, and i got to just find myself. <laughs> That's... I was raised in the 60s and 70s. I know what it means to try to find myself. But you know what? I'm right here. <laughs> Wasn't that hard? But I will tell you this, that when you invest in God's purpose and you get to see somebody else meet Jesus, it just kind of takes over your thinking. And life is good. So how can we have this purpose, and how can it be accomplished through crisis? Here's my scripture. Here's your sermon. All that was for fun. It's in 2 Corinthians, the first chapter, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians, not 1, 2. Whew, almost quoted a previous president that couldn't, couldn't pronounce Corinthians, but I won't. I'll just, let's just go with 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. Here we go. By the way, this is my favorite scripture. Now, it's not my favorite scripture for excitement. I have several scriptures that really light me up. This one, though, has probably saved my life. Spiritually and emotionally. So let's, let's get this. 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4. I'm going to read it as, it as it's stated. But, you know, the Apostle Paul loves to repeat himself and so we'll, we'll do the Reader's Digest version next. But here, here is uh, in full. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves were comforted from God. Let me, let me abbreviate it down. And if, if you haven't read a lot of the Pauline epistles, the letters of the Apostle Paul, then you, you, you miss out on how he goes down rabbit holes. I would know nothing about that. But you get on a topic, you keep going. And, and Paul likes to repeat himself, make sure you get the emphasis. Let's take out where he repeats himself and just make it simple. Blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in, not out of, but in our every affliction so that we can comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves were given. What does that mean? How do, Bob, how, how does that on earth save a person's life? Well, have you been through a crisis? Are you going through a crisis? Have you experienced death or separation or divorce or loss of a child even? I'm trying to think of loss of a job. That would be so minimal compared to the loss of a family member or child. But folks, when you go through crises, who is there with you? God. 
Who knows loss better than our Father in heaven? From, and by the way, yes, he lost his son. You say, yeah, but he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. You don't think there is pain involved in watching your son mocked and murdered? I, I can't comprehend it. I, honestly, I cannot. I will not wrap my head around that one. I don't want to. What about divorce? You know, the Bible says clearly God hates divorce. You know why God hates divorce? <laughs> Thanks for not saying it out loud. Because it's wrong. No! I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> God hates divorce because God is divorced. He knows the pain of having somebody reject Him. The entire Old Covenant. Those people who should have, could have believed in Jesus as their Messiah and come right into a new covenant. They chose to reject him. And when people reject him today, he knows that pain. So when you've experienced loss, separation, loss of job, whatever it is, illness, you have a father who loves you and knows what you're going through, and he can comfort you through it. Sometimes he'll use the people sitting right next to you, by the way. But why? What's Okay, let's bring it down to this pandemic and all this stuff we're going through. Is there anything good that could come out of something so bad? The answer is yes. People are finding Jesus through crises. Why? How? Because someone who loves Jesus is helping them walk through it. I have an illustration I'll use, and it doesn't have a happy ending yet. <laughs> I'd like to give you a happy ending. Um, Sherry and I have always tried to invest in people that don't yet know Jesus. As friends, people to hang around with. It's too easy when we become a Christian to just hang out with Christians. Woo! The club's fun now, isn't it? That's not your job. Church is the body of Christ, right? The head says he wants to seek and save the lost. The body better be doing it. You can't do it if you don't know any people that don't yet know Jesus. I won't ask you for a show of hands. I did this one time, and I was terribly embarrassed in a church. I said, I said how, many of you, how many of you know someone who doesn't yet know Jesus? And nobody raised their hand. <laughs> and I said, you people really need to get out more. In fact, if you, if you don't have very many non-church, un-Christian friends, crying out loud, join a bowling league. <laughs> <There's>, <clears throat> Or everybody on the golf course, you're right, golf. Okay, that's, in fact, that's my point. One of the guys that I am investing time in right now, I golf with occasionally. I've never actually golfed with anybody that can down 20, 24 cans of beer in 18 holes. It's very impressive, <laughs> i got to tell you. I mean, I can almost keep up with my diet Mountain Dew, but not quite. The other day, he said... And he's 46 years old and said, I'm scared. I've seen him golf. I was a little scared too. <laughs> Hits the ball a ton. I'm scared. I said, what are you scared of? He says, dying. And, and I, he saw I was about to say something, and he says, now I'm going to paraphrase what he said so that we can... 
because this might be online. He said, hey, and I don't want any of that Jesus stuff. And so I said, and you, you, you have your own conversations with the people you love and your friends, but I said, well, the, the, you have every right to be afraid. I'd be scared to death if I were you. Well, aren't you scared? You're 20 years older than I am. I said, scared of dying? Of what's next? I got to tell you, buddy, I am excited because what's coming is better because of that Jesus stuff. And he knows I'm not going to preach at him. I'm not going to beat him over the head with it. But doggone it, if you're afraid, if you're in crisis, and finally in that conversation, I said something that I've never said to anybody before. I don't know that I'll say it again, but I've known him for four years now. I don't feel like, you know, I can't convert him. That's Holy Spirit's job. Doesn't mean I'm not going to swing a sword a little bit once in a while and enter the battle. And so, in this conversation, and maybe this will help you, he is scared, doesn't want the Jesus stuff. And he said, I just can't believe. And he was talking about the Bible and faith, and I can't believe that stuff. I can't wrap my head around it. And I, here's what I said that I've never said before. don't know if I'll say it again. I said, if you can't believe the Bible, and you can't believe those who actually were there and saw Jesus come back to life from the dead, then I'm going to ask you one thing. So, okay, what? Believe me. My life is different, and I am not afraid, and I'm not going to be afraid. And it's because of Jesus. Amen. And I'd like to tell you, and he just, and, and there was a pond with algae, and he says, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? But that would be a lie. It didn't happen. It hasn't happened yet. But the Holy Spirit has more ammo to work with now. It's his job to convict. It's my job to love and be available. And so we're doing that. But you see what I'm trying to say is, blessed be the God of all comfort who comforts us in that crisis, in that time of being afraid, so that we can comfort others that don't know how to get it from God. Why? What's the purpose? That he will know Jesus and he will be in heaven with us. You got family that need Jesus? Right? See? That's, let me interpret. That was an amen. We do. Use everything at your disposal. And we've got some great things at our disposal right now. So what are you going to do besides just listen? What are you going to do? Have you thought through it? Have you thought through what crises you've been through that God has brought you through? So that Sherry and my marriage has always been perfect. <laughs> Do you go to hell for mine? <laughs> okay. Our marriage has not been perfect. and We've gone through crises. And others might have given up. Some of you know our story, and if you don't, <laughs> too bad. 
But because God allowed us to go through that crisis and he comforted us in that crisis, through many of you, by the way, we have been able to help hundreds of other couples be strengthened in their marriage. Not because we were good, but because God is good. And he brought us through. And so we were able to say, hey, this is what happened to us. Sherry has been able to use her experiences with cancer and, and other things to say, here's how God brought us through that. I got to tell you, one of the couples that Sherry and I helped years ago, and they were in a train wreck. Literally, they have helped thousands of other couples. They're in a very large church, and they have helped thousands of couples be rescued from what Satan would want for them, and that is separation, division, and hurt. But because God comforted us, we could comfort someone else who could comfort. And you see how it goes on and on and on for the purpose of seeing others come to Jesus. You've got your own story. You've got your own friends and family. You need to be role-playing. How can we use these things for God's success, for God's purpose? And here's, I'll conclude eventually with this. I'm a preacher. I'm trying to conclude now. Here it is. And this last week has really hit me with uh, different mandates. I love that phrase, mandate. Give me a break. We're still Americans. And by the way, I will throw you that this is for free. I say this to every one of the young pastors that I'm coaching and the old ones. Don't ever let me hear you say, I'm a Christian and therefore I have the right to worship. I have the right not to follow a mandate. You know what you have the right to do? You have a right to leave all of your rights at the foot of the cross and pick up responsibility because of Jesus that works for God's good and the purpose of bringing others to Jesus. But as an American, you do have some rights. Just listening to a sermon from our church over in Medford, Upward Church, as he's going through when the Apostle Paul was in prison and they were, gonna, they were trying to kill him. And, he just, and he'd been stoned and shipwrecked and beat up and imprisoned and all these things. And to this group, he says, well, I'm a little confused. Do you, now, do you have the right to, to kill a Roman citizen? Loose paraphrase, you're a Roman citizen? <laughs> They protected him. They got him to the next court, got him to another town. Because he was a Christian? No. But God allowed his Roman citizenship to be used for the success of the gospel. Perhaps your American citizenship, temporary citizenship, could be used for the glory of God. But don't get prideful. But here's, here's that concluding point. Almost every, everything I hear on TV, the news, friends, golf mates, is fear. People are fearful. What will this, this next shutdown, what will that look like? Will I lose my job? Will I lose my house? And people are fearful. We, though, who are in Jesus, yes, it is not, <laughs> we get nervous, don't we? That's human nature. But in Jesus, we have victory already laid out in front. So I'm going to ask you to be fearless, not fearful. And every time you're tempted to be fearful, say, Lord, how can you use this moment? How can you comfort me so that I can comfort someone else? If you're in a job 
that looks like it might close. That is something that will scare people. Could your fearlessness because of Jesus help somebody at work who's fearful because they don't know Jesus yet? I, I, I can't paint all the scenarios that you probably can for you. But folks, it's time that we as Christians say, in Jesus' name, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to show people what it means to love Jesus no matter what I'm going through. It's time. And Redwood, it's time for some excitement here. You're due. You're overdue. And I, and I get goosebumps, th- and literally. I guess I just did. I get goosebumps thinking about what God wants to do through you and through this church in this area. We've seen a taste of it periodically, but something better is coming. How do we know? Because Jesus is here. Something better is coming. It's going to be exciting. I'm glad you're in on the ground floor of it. And those that can be here this morning, they're in the ground floor too. We're not leaving them out. So this morning, do something with your crises. Do something with your afflictions and hurts. Use that to help somebody else get through it that doesn't yet know Jesus. And then pray that the Holy Spirit will use that in their life to draw them to himself, to Jesus. Stand up with me, would you? Stretch a little. I want to pray for you and for me and for this church and for the success of the gospel. Father, I, I couldn't even begin to name every affliction, every hurt, every crisis that's represented here today. But you can. You've been involved in each one of our lives. But Father, would you use me and would you use us so that this week maybe even today someone is going to get to see the comfort that only you can give and lord as as we communicate your comfort to them our prayer is they would see jesus and they would want what we have and for my friend that i spoke of this morning lord I'm glad he's afraid. I'm glad he's fearful. Lord, I pray that through you he will not stay afraid and fearful, but he'll find Jesus, and he'll know what it's like on the other side where we can be with each other in that great family reunion forever in heaven. Thank you for those who laid down their lives for us so that we would have this message too. Thank you for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen.